In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the owners group. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Live on TojiNet. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. With me, my co-host, psychic investigator for the New England Ghost Project, the Queenie, Queen of Pain. What the heck was that? Miss Maureen Wood. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, lovely. Yeah, a little tired, are you? Just a little bit. A little jet lag? Yeah, no. Maybe you never caught up with your jet? I don't think so. Probably flapped your wings too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Really? It, it could happen. Yeah. Do See I'm... that I'm such an angel. <laughs> I will never forget <laughs> that. Who had those pictures of you with angel oh, wings? Oh, stop it. Oh, my God. I probably Joe. bat wings as far as I can. Oh, thanks. Yeah. but uh, he's, a, he's a sweet guy. Who's a sweet guy? Me? Joe. Joe, Joe. Anyway, so uh, our friend Molly is uh, having her book signed there at uh, Ghost Stock. Yes, she is next Thursday. What's a Ghost Stock, anyways? Um, Ghost Stock is a conference that they're having. What the hell is Ghost Stock? That's the name of their conference. What does it mean? I don't know. It's going to have a meaning. Well, then you should have asked Patrick Burns when you interviewed him. Oh. That would have been easy, huh? Yeah, that would have been really easy, but you didn't. But you know what? We we are really, really lucky today because we are going to have the spirit of Peter James on the show. Really? Yeah. Do you know okay. who Peter James is? No. Sorry. What? <laughs> you don't know lucky who Peter I know James my own name today. But he's one of your people. Oh, psychic? Yeah. Okay. I can't believe you don't know Peter James. He was like the only psychic I really ever believed in. Oh, you're full, full of crap. You never believe in any psychic. Except Peter James. Yeah, you're full of it. No, he was so cool. He used to be on the uh, the uh, TV show Sightings. You can ask my son if you don't believe That's him. That's fine. How long ago? Oh, hundreds of years. Well, what do you expect? And uh, he was really good. I'm he not saying really cool. he's not. I just haven't had the opportunity, and I, may, I wish I did. Yeah. Well, you can't miss him because you always had that big mustache, the long hair and the big mustache. So, anyway. But speaking of psychics, uh, starting next week... I think we're going to bring back the great psychic test. Yes, we'll have to be to be announced. Exactly. We haven't done we haven't done that since about a year anyway. A year we haven't done that since WCCM. WC, uh, CCM. CC who? 
WCBS, <laughs> our old uh, terrestrial radio station thing. Right, we haven't. So I think really. it'd be a great idea to do that. So we'll. Yeah, uh, because our our audience is so astute. You know, they're all psychics. Uh, so I think that'd be really neat. But anyways, we'll bring that up next week. We're going to work out the details of it, and uh, we'll have that up and running, and uh, you can win like cool prizes or whatever that stuff is. But anyways, why don't we bring our guest on the eye on the line? It is the spirit of Peter James, and I say the spirit of Peter James because uh, Peter James actually uh, passed away, I believe, last year. Oh, and that's too bad. It, well, it's like I said, I've always liked him, and so uh, I contacted his web page on MySpace, and I found out that's the only reason I found out that he had passed away, and I found mm-hmm. out that he wrote a book with this guy, John Temporelli. And that's why I call it the spirit of Peter James. John, you there? Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Ron. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. I don't know if you heard any of this, but I've been billing this as the spirit of uh, Peter James. Yeah, well, actually, it's a, it's a MySpace that I set up for the request of uh, Peter's family and for the publishing CEO's request, too, to have something dedicated for fans to go to and as well, you know, at the same time of the book release. And so that's why the MySpace was set up. I'm not good at computers or great at doing any of that sort of thing. So my wife's girlfriend, she set that up in like 10 minutes, and it's almost <laughs> like if you build it, they'll come. Everybody just started showing up, friends one after another, and that's been since about October 20th because the book actually came out just before Halloween uh, last year, and that was um, I, I basically took Peter's words and uh, just – corrected the punctuation because he painted pictures when he spoke, as everybody knows from um, how he how he did enunciate and speak, and there was a definite dramatic flair to his voice. I basically corrected everything and submitted it to the publisher around that same time, and I heard that their editorial had very little to correct, so they were just like, okay, let's get this out now. So that left me scrambling to put together that MySpace, and that's the MySpace.com forward slash Peter James Lives. So that's sort of like you're saying the spirit for Peter James. It's a place for everybody to come, and, and they are, and they're giving all the outpourings of all the fans uh, of his career over the years. Yeah. I mean, it, it, for those who don't know Peter James, uh, uh, he's probably most noted for his work on Sightings, which was a, a great show uh, on uh, TV. And, I mean, I used to watch it religiously. And um, as Maureen said earlier, I really didn't believe in psychics, but I always – you know, he always brought a little down-to-earth uh, touch to it. So I kind of, you know, really enjoyed his work on that. Right, yeah. He had a generous approach to the ghost world, as he states throughout the book as well, that they are his friends. He grew up as a child with ghost playmates, and there's a chapter dedicated to how he first developed his psychic ability and did play with ghosts, and he was uh, abused of by his mother over it because she didn't believe him, and he went through quite a bit of turmoil over that. But ultimately, they were his his uh, people that he could go to and, and confide in, and it was a, the ghost world, and he was that in tune and that in touch with the ghost world. And ultimately, uh, it the book carries out chapter by chapter his development of a psychic ability, the development of his career through sightings, and that, too, like, uh, he wanted me to form the preface about how my wife and I, when we first met 17 years ago, well, she wasn't my wife then, but that was our date night. It was Friday nights. We watched sightings, followed by a new show at the time called <laughs> The X-Files on Fox. And ah, cool show. Whenever, yeah, whenever, 
whatever right. the host, Tim White, did say that, uh, you know, but we're going to check in next week as Peter James investigates Alcatraz or whatever, we'd just get, like, totally excited that they gave us another week to look forward to for programming. Right. And, I mean, um, I wish I had a chance to read all of the book, but unfortunately I did not. We just got it kind of late. And I had some yeah, I'm sorry I got it. Sorry, I got it to you later too. So. Well, that's okay. Um, I mean, I, I reviewed a lot of it. I noticed the, the Queen Mary comes up quite a bit on it in the book. Which well, was a big, cool. Yeah, it was a big part of Peter James's career. Was that was the first demo that he submitted? That was it was he uh, his videographer his videographer um, two appointed Queen Mary security guards, and that's the famed footage of Peter on the Queen Mary communicating with Jackie, the ghost child, and she verbally communicates back with him, sings with him. The two security guards, as they explain, and Peter's former assistant were just completely, you know, just freaked oh, out boy. by the whole experience. Yep. But, you know, that's that's got to come par with the course with that if you experience that because she's visibly, I mean, he's visibly just uh, communicating with her and she's talking back and he's very matter-of-fact about it and he's visibly right there in frame. But, again, he, he grew up with... Uh, communicating with ghosts and if you go to the myspace.com forward slash peter james lives um the family allowed me to actually post some of that famed sightings footage and you can hear jackie the ghost girl communicating with them and it's refreshing for me too to see it after all those years because you never saw that sighting show just you know re um in circulation you just you don't see it i know it does in other countries um and it's something that, uh, you know, I'd been longing for for all this time and trying to find old tapes that might have gotten taped over from other shows. And you just you just naturally thought that it would come back, and it's just not out there. You see In Search Of's and all these other things, and that's not one thing that has come back into play. So it's it's a place for people to go and just watch some of that old footage and as well um, the sightings of uh, Sally's House, the Heartland Ghost investigation that there have been movies on. And... Um, Outpourings from Deborah Pickman, that the home uh, mother, she's actually wrote about Peter as well. Those are posted there, and uh, other book reviews by other people that have read the book and you know, paranormal experts and talents, and uh, that really admired Peter's career. So I'm glad to see that that this has become a forum for everybody to get together and spend some time on. Um, John, let me ask you: um, Do you have before we get into too much right now? Do you have a, any websites that you'd like to let everybody know about? Yeah, we gave the MySpace one. Right, oh, there's really another the, one now. Really, that's the only one that okay. uh, um, is out there that is just dedicated for Peter. That's actually has the postings of the of the video and everything that's been approved by the family and as well by his his former personal assistant and best friend. That's it's a it's a place for everybody to come together. And again, I'm not great at websites, so mm -hmm. it's a MySpace. So, you know, it's the best oh. I could do. That's fine. Now, you know, a lot of people often ask, you know, you talk to someone, um, you know, especially in the paranormal community, rather, and one of the questions they always ask is, you know, what is the religious background of the person or the psychic? Um, what was Peter's religious background? Well, Peter James was an ordained minister. He was traditionally educated, uh, uh, Catholicism, and so he, he, ex he explores that throughout chapters in the book, that uh, along with that and the traditional upbringing and of what happens when there's the hand-me-down knowledge of what is being um, expressed to him through the teachings, it conflicted with his psychic ability and where he felt the after places are. So, really? uh, yeah, he always 
states throughout, too, to keep an open mind. Do not abandon your religious beliefs by any mean, means, but uh, keep the open mind as well that, uh, you know, where he's, he, you know, always taught that where pearly gates are and where you would be shoveling coal and hell and that type of thing, uh, it's just not what he feels or senses here on the Earth's plane vibrationally is where... Um, the after places are for where we go when we pass. 95% or 98%, as he explains, of the spirits that he communicates with die tragically or untimely. So he does feel that they are able to move on. He has helped them move on. Um, others simply refuse to go or move on, and he, he tries to help in every, every case, but they don't always want to move on or he can't get them to move on. But there is definitely that place, but he feels it's somewhere here on the Earth plane, not out in the cosmos, and and it's it's somewhere right here among us that there is another plane of existence for an energy field of that type. Okay, so that's what he believes when you pass on that you're you're basically on this plane. I mean, a different, maybe different uh, dimension, almost. Right, right. But still, too, he he performed weddings um, at his memorial service. His best friend Victor was. Uh, speaking, I didn't know this at the time, but of all the couples that he married, to everybody's knowledge, are all still together. And there were dozens of couples that he married, and uh, some of them are family members. Others were friends and fans. And uh, there's some photos on the MySpace site as well, where you can see some of these receptions and weddings that he performed. And uh, you know, it's it was just an aspect of him I didn't know about as well, because all we have is the sightings episodes or what that's. Everything I knew about Peter James was what you could know about him just being on a tour of the Queen Mary with him, and that's really all you could carry with you is just uh, you know little aspects of what was edited out and cert- or edited into certain parts of programming that you didn't really know his belief system or or his background. Hmm. Now, um, one of the things that I always uh, really liked the sightings, probably my favorite show with him. And I don't know, uh, know if uh, you're aware of all the shows that he did on sightings, but it was the one with the uh, Polaroid uh, pictures. Right, the Ghost Rider home. Yeah, I thought right. that was so cool. Uh, right. Basically, it was this: these guys that were living in a home, they would take these Polaroid shots, and then there were messages that were written on the Polaroid film itself. Right, that's one that I go back and I see... Uh, they have now posted on YouTube that I found. And that, too, was uh, Peter's former personal assistant, Grant, said that really turned him into a believer of, like, you know, he just looked for work as being a personal assistant. Okay, now I'm I'm with a psychic. We're going to this place. And that was really something that turned him into just a, you know, a chiller, devout, you know, believer in the, in the paranormal was he saw that the, the sightings, uh, team, and I believe then it was a sci-fi team as well, it was Fox in conjunction with Sci-Fi Channel, mm-hmm. uh, would provide the actual film from their purchases. The film was opened, put into the camera, and then they would ask a question, take a picture, and it was all documented in that clinical sort of fashion. And no matter if it was their team members or the homeowners, the same thing would happen. The answers would be in conjunction with the questions asked, and it's it's fully documented as well. And I mean, it's just like uh, you know, every shot. It was it was. I mean, it was not like just it happened once. They would get constantly messages on these films. That's the cool thing about it. 
Yeah, in conjunction with it, too, Peter was communicating with the entities that were leaving the messages on the Polaroid film. Right. It's something that you look at and you just think, wow, you know, today you you just think Photoshop or something like that. But at the time, there there was none of these things or um, this was probably early 90s. That was probably between 90 and 94. And at, at the time of the sightings episodes and everybody was just there and witnessing. They tried multiple cameras that were freshly opened right out of the box that were purchased by, you know, the, the studio themselves for Fox. And, uh, yeah, it just was happening in every event in that home. So, right. I get, I, 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 I think appears to this day, uh, Grant has been in touch with the actual, uh, the two uh, homeowners that, uh, you know, uh, they sold the residence, I believe. I, I'm not 100% on this, not too long ago, but all the way up until that point, um, it was just still happening in the home. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome, actually. Right. I mean, I, I can't. Now, with all, I mean, of course, that was how many years ago? You, you want to guess at that? Yeah, again, this is uh, the sightings episodes were from uh, 1991 to about 1995 with heavily renewed episodes and seasons. And then it continued through about 2002 and uh, replays and reruns. And um, there was, you know, just quite a bit of, um, um, yeah, just play around the world of sightings. It, it got carried over into other countries, and it, it really built up something for Peter James because he did have a... I haven't seen anything like it since, really, truthfully, that uh, at the time, you, you know, it's it's impossible to almost duplicate now with the Internet and all the resources we have, but there was something more simplistic at the time that when Peter would... They would fly him out to some state. They All he knew was the state he was going to, most of the time, these were private homes uh, that they would follow him to every week, and he would be driven by town car maybe an hour and a half to a location and just cold walking outside the location, then inside the location, and then just see what he would vibrationally feel, pick up, or see and experience. And that's what you saw on sightings was um, something of that uh, approach. And then the sightings team had archivists that would go to the town uh, Dewey Decimal Systems downstairs in the dusty archives in the basements and come up with all the same names. Uh, if Peter felt that someone died in a certain part of a barn, let's say, um, that was all something that was all cooperated right along with uh, the footage. And that's what sightings based all those weekly episodes with him as what they called a psychic correspondent. Now, what was, um, as far as you know, what was Peter's take on, you know, because we always talk about negativity and protection, and when Ron and I, you know, we'll have the, the Ghost 101 courses, we'll always bring that up. What was, um, you know, his take or Peter's take on, you know, negativity and demonic nature? Right, and like protection, like holy water and so yeah. forth. And, and, right. and uh, what's that, smudging and Sage stuff like that. And, yeah, and different things. Right. Peter explores that quite a bit throughout, not just in one dedicated chapter. He he does get into that, but, uh, you know, he, he breaks it up between possession and uh, poltergeist activity and just different interactions with fans and apprentices that would, uh, you know, he was, he was, that's how I ended up co-writing the book with him was he actually, he, he responded to emails. He gave you his phone number. You could call him. He just wanted everybody to understand the afterlife and just be comfortable and and really reached out to people. And that was something unique about him as well. He didn't ask for, oh, you know, call me, you know, for $250 a minute. I'll, I'll tell you this, this, and that. It was 
he actually talked to you. He, you know, he, he didn't want, he was overconscious about talking your ear off and that was impossible. But at, at the same respect, he had people coming to him that just didn't know him and didn't know much about the afterworld and just have gone along with the teachings that they've had and, and passed down knowledge of crucifixes, uh, sage, holy water, incense, and smudging, different techniques of entering a, a hauntedly active location and going about things in that way. But Peter never utilized any of those things. Um, he'd been given those things by different fans, but he understands that they didn't know how he actually worked or interacted. And so he didn't feel the need for protection. He could communicate was his number one rule, as he spells out in the last chapter of the book, communicating with the spirit realm. Um, communication's number one, and it actually it's connecting with the spirit realm. And he walks you through step-by-step what he goes through and experiences and feels to all the way through to either he says you can coexist with spirits and ghosts and that uh, yet he just walks you through sort of a checklist of what to do in a hauntedly active location because he wants people to feel comfortable where they're living. And ultimately, that's what he expressed to me in our, our one and actually final meeting on how he wanted the book laid out. He wanted it to be his legacy as he continued throughout the night to let me know is that these are his friends and that he wants people to feel comfortable. And if he can have one child just sleep well at night because of the book, um, he feels that it was suited its purpose for him. And so it demonic um, gargoyles, any, anything of that type. Um, he's been in, you know, hundreds of uh, paranormally active locations. Other people he's been with shamans, priests, that are saying, oh, yeah, there's a, a demon at the other end of the room, and Peter will be in the same location and say, well, I see the ghost in that corner of the room, but I don't see the gargoyle or the, the demon dog that you're talking about. And mm-hmm. so he just didn't – He his theme throughout and what Peter continually said is, as in life, so in death. If a person was, say, prejudiced or uh, abusive towards women or or what have you, that's – when they die, they they carry on that characteristic. It doesn't it doesn't dissipate uh, from what he knows, and so some of that can be construed as other type of activity. That's um, uh, something that's demonic, or you know, um, from what we can see in in paranormal investigators, that see a half size shadow running by. You know, maybe it can be interpreted as that is as something demonic. But from what he knows and what he says, always yeah, again, keep an open mind. But uh, yeah. There is no demons and, and things of that type. Those are all mythical creatures. But in, in reality, uh, I, I, well, you said something uh, as in this world as in that world. If you believe that uh, the human, uh, humans, some humans are incarnated demons, uh, and, and that can be definitely uh, seen in some of the atrocities that are being committed, then uh, they're in the past life. They are now uh, an incarnated uh, spirit demon, then they're the same way. I mean, if they were horrible monsters, whatever you want to call them as a human form, they're the same way in in the spirit world. Right, and there's also, too, a a characteristic that he mentions that you you tend to pick up on other paranormal programming these days, and there's other factors, too, that there's a confusion when a person dies tragically or untimely that uh, when they cross over, there's this, this confusion that happens. So if you take that characteristic that they had in life that could have been you know, some some type of person that was, yeah, abusive or um, 
it it could distort that in one way. And it also, too, he says it's very important to know that they're territorial. And he found that on the Queen Mary with uh, when he was first communicating with Jackie, that there was this woman in there that he felt was her name was Sarah. And that, you know, she punched him, shoved him, kind of burned his cheek. And, and that happened as well in the Heartland Ghost investigation mm-hmm. in the home that uh, they're territorial. So it'd be like if you're sitting on your couch at home and someone just walked in your front door and sat right down in your lap, you'd react too. So it's it's one of those things that uh, he, he expresses that, it, you know, the territoriality, he just would work in conjunction with, he could feel the point that he was invading the, ter- the territory and then just do more communication and move forward accordingly with that. So, so uh, I have to ask this because, I, I, like I said, I didn't read totally the book, and I really apologize for that. Oh, no Is problem. That, now, did he believe in moving spirits on? Is that one something that, that he did a lot of? or? Yeah, he explains that in, in, a, in various ways throughout the book as well, that he, he would try to communicate with spirits and have them move on, and, and he did... He does mention in the book that he's he's got a little bit of flack from people that like why is Jackie the Ghost Girl still on the Queen Mary? Why didn't you have her move on? What? And the, and he simply right. just says that you know it's up to them. He right. he tries to a point, but in other ways they either simply refuse to move on or um, yeah just uh, choose to stay around and and he can't get them to move on to that other existence of the Earth plane and and he. He says it's not like it walk go into the light. He he doesn't really um, believe in the white light theory. He says don't dispel it. He just has never seen a white light from any of the the spirits that he does know move across. That it's it's just into another energy plane. So he talks about all the other theories and and other things that he he discusses in depth as well. Yeah, I mean the whole point is is you know and quite often we'll have this discussion as well is that you know. I, you know, being and doing the metaphysical work and working with people in the paranormal. In case um, you don't know, John, Maureen is, is, a, is a medium and a psychic and a, a trans medium, actually. Oh, right, Maureen, yeah. Oh, hi, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no, that's okay. But, you know, we, we often talk about it, and to me, you know, when you go through different things and you're learning and, you know, you sit in groups and, you know, everybody has their own opinion, but you'll see some people, and, and this one woman I can think of in particular, She'll sit there with a crystal around her neck, and, you know, she'll pull it up and go, oh, you know, to the light, to the light, to the light. And I'm like, okay. That, yes, she'll just do that and look up and say, okay, come okay, on, I helped like 10 spirits. And I'm thinking, you know, if you need to say that, you need to feel it, that's great. In reality, how, you know, if it was that easy, I mean, to me, there's, it's free will. You know, we don't have the ability, and we should not be interfering. I mean, if you're there to help and you want to help, that's great. If they want to listen, that's wonderful. If they don't, that's their free will. What are they there for? Maybe there's a greater purpose that we could be in trying to intervene on. Right, right. Peter also mentions, too, he's been with other great psychics that he says just, you know, top of the field, great psychics, but they still cling on to some of the archaic approaches with that, with, you know, uh, crystals and, and, the, and, and various other items and he calls them condiments throughout the book as well. But, uh, <laughs> oh God! It's, it, if it if that works and it works for them, it, it's it's great. But yeah, it's it's something that um, you know if if they feel that the person's moved on, you know it's it's possible that they have, or if if there's any other activity for the homeowner or the the people involved, um, yeah, it it doesn't seem to me. But you know, I I, I have no experience in this. I, I'm not a psychic. 
that I don't know if it could be that easy. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I look at it and say there's so much, you know, there's so much involved, so much to it, so much emotion that may be tying that spirit there, you know? Right. I don't think it's just a quick fix. Anyways, we have to take a break right now. Uh, John, you're going to hold on, right? Yeah. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Live on Tojanet. I am Ron Kolick. She is Maureen Wood, and we've been talking with John Temporelli. I hope that I spelled his name right. (laughs) We'll be right back after the following messages. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. Now, this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number one with the official classic hits countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Are you alarmed, anxious, angry, even afraid of what is happening to America? It's time for Grassroots America, We the People. Learn how to get involved in your voting precinct and take back our country. It's time to build unity upon the Constitution and the wisdom of our founding fathers. Grassroots America, We the People. Every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Central on Toginet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge. Get ready for Cowboys and Indians. I'm Eric Sullivan, sports anchor at CBS 19. I love the Dallas Cowboys. I wore Roger Starbucks jersey four consecutive pitcher days when I was in elementary school. Cowboys and Indians, 11 to noon Central, Tuesdays on Togian. I'm Eric Williams, third generation NFL player, Super Bowl winner from the Washington Redskins. I've been in the trenches. I know what I'm talking about, especially when I'm going to get some spiked hair cowboy groupie. Cowboys and Indians, get the lowdown. Yeah, you want to be in the thick of it. I, you know, that's what you no, want. I know how hard it is. Like, okay, no, well, I don't get... give me this. What have you done lately? But, Every NFL team hasn't done anything okay, lately. Okay, but they have the most talented team in the NFL. Get this, down. You are absolutely nuts. Are you kidding me? You've been hitting the head too many times in those trenches, my friend. Cowboys and Indians. 11 to noon Central, Tuesdays on Toginet. Radio with a cutting edge. We're back. We are back. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Live on Tojanet. I am Ron Kolick. She is Maureen Wood, and our very special guest is John Temporelli. Am I saying that right, John? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, my dad, he was a Roman Italian, so, um, yeah, the vowels are all different over there. My first name's spelled G-I-A-N, but, it, you know, right now we got the Grand Prix out here. You see that name a lot, and, the, and with all the racers, you see, like, Giancarlo, John Franco. It's always G I A N, but when you sound out the vowels the way they do, it all makes sense. So, but yeah, I've had it my whole life. But uh, yeah, you're seeing it perfect. That was so funny because when I saw the name originally, which is G I A N, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was a woman, and I said, <laughs> so when I called your house, I got I got your wife, and I was I trying to I don't know what I speed all down, but <laughs> just you mean John? I said I don't. Oh, think I've had so. substitute teachers all my life in school. Gina, you know, Guyan, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Guyan. That's what I was saying. That's what it was, Guyan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm Polish. What can you say? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no, no, it all works. Now you want to make sure we give the phone number. All right, the, to call right. Uh, the number here is eight seven seven eight six four four eight six nine eight seven seven eight six four 
888-346-9400-4869. If you have a uh, question for uh, John or Maureen or myself, uh, you can join us live in the Toji chat room. If you have a uh, question, you can just uh, put it in there as well, and uh, we'll certainly ask John. So of all the stuff in this book that you wrote with Tita, what did you find personally the most interesting? Um, it's really the life of Peter. I, I just, I couldn't believe I was actually seeing what this person that we, you know, like you're saying too, from watching the old sightings episodes, you didn't know the man. And that's really what it broke down to for my wife and I just over the years. And, and once the internet came a little bit more popular, you, you started Googling him in, even before Google, you'd try to find some keyword and just like, what's he up to? What, who is he? And and a little bit more about him because he really was that series or documentaries. You'd catch him on like, well, there he is in something else on cable. And uh, you're starting to see that again on, uh, I just saw him on Scariest Places on Earth on Sci-Fi. And oh, this is a blast. Okay. And, I'm like, and I didn't even know about that one, <laughs> you know, yeah. and there he is on the Queen Mary. And so it was knowing about the man, his life, his career, the inception of his career, and throughout, and also his beliefs and everything we've been discussing um, and also, too, just the person he was, just more than gracious, generous, um, outgoing of just wanting to know his fans. And you really felt like you met, you knew him a million years. The first time my wife and I met him on the first tour on the Queen Mary, um, you just shook his hand. He kind of pulled your hand over to somebody else in the group like, oh, and this is so-and-so. And you just felt like you knew him and he was already directing you over to meet somebody else. And then you just chatted with him, talked with him. And where you thought he would just disappear and leave you with an assistant to go through the rest of the tour, he stayed with the whole group through the entire night and, um, yeah, made sure that every question was answered regarding the paranormal. And uh, it, it was just one of those things that that was refreshing to me that when he asked me to co-author the book, he started forwarding me file after file of all his notations throughout the years. And that's what I found unique as well is that it was all in the first person. It wasn't just notations, he wrote um, the way he spoke. And that's why I, I convinced him on our final meeting to keep that as preserved as possible for his fans' sake. And if I could, just correct it. Because he wanted me to take everything he wrote and put it into book form. And I was like, no, you, you have to keep your voice there. That Everybody loves that about you. And, and so he agreed. And that, that was, one of, that was the, probably the greatest aspect about the book was I got to know Peter James and, and was able to carry that over for his fans as well, because you just don't know who he is. There's, it's impossible. You just had edited footage from sightings and other documentaries. That's all you knew was seeing Peter James in action, which is great, but you didn't know him as a person. And this allows you to do that. Now, let me ask you this. I'm just kind of curious because where um, Peter James would go around and, and he would, you know, sense people and the spirits and so forth, um, did he work with other psychics and did did um, perhaps somebody oh, sense him after? Yeah. You know, I mean, has anybody since he passed got yeah, any messages? He, there has been, and I, I'm trying to find that out from Peter's uh, former personal assistant that he got a... a correspondence not too long ago from somebody that Peter uh, held in high regard as, as well as be, uh, uh, for being a psychic and having a psychic ability. And I want to find out who that is because uh, he said that, yeah, he did have a message from Peter. And, and uh, you know, we we're just, you know, talking. He was like at work and we we're talking over the cell phone. And now I want to explore that a little farther and find out who that is and what that all, everything entailed of what the message was that they got from Peter. So, 
you know, I'm looking to talk to him again. I know he's he's coming back like April 15th or something. He's in Florida for a nephew's uh, past the uh, post for um, uh, for uh, police officers and and graduated an academy. So when he gets back and I get a little bit more time to talk to him, that's definitely a question I'll raise. And uh, yeah, um, I, I'd like to know that as well. It's just you know, kind of looming here too that like oh somebody had a message from Peter. So I'd like to hear that. No, that's cool. I mean, so you'll have to give us a call back in and let us know what his message was. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you know what's really funny is uh, we used to work with this uh, Franciscan monk uh, who did a lot of work with uh, Bob Cahill, who was an author. He wrote these uh, books. And um, he's out in the uh, southwest now working with the Indians. But anyways, he called uh, his friend up, uh, Bob Cahill, and he talked to him uh, for a little while, and he, he was you know, had some some de- demeanor, and then uh, Brian's uh, son talked to him, and he seemed a little happier than everything else, and they talked about a half hour with him. And then they called back about a month later to see how he, things were going and everything else, and he got his wife, and they said, oh, no, I'm sorry, uh, he died uh, about six months ago. So, I mean, that's that's kind of bizarre in itself. I mean, that it, there are, there is contact from the other side, and, and right. I, I mean, think, he carried on I conversation. Defi- yeah, I think definitely that they do come back to just let people know that they're okay, or for specific reasons. Right. Yeah, Peter does say that. I don't know if you have read that part of the book, but uh, he says that they are able to come back even after that farthest level of of the Earth plane that you end up in in the afterlife. It's it's not that there's not a heaven, but he he says that it's definitely a great place. Um, it's it's beyond the, the confusion point of the people that died tragically or untimely or have another type of message to get across regarding their death. And uh, it is that other uh, form of existence out there as an energy uh, field. But they are, as he explains, able to check in with you from time to time. And uh, as well, not, not to skirt away from the other question as well, too, I, I forgot about that other point, but Peter mentions as well that he prefers to work alone. He, you know, almost too many cooks in the kitchen when he had other psychics. Um, he, he worked better when without paranormal investigators and gadgetry and people looking down rather than forward at instruments. And, he, you know, I, in all fairness, he had an ability, and it, as he described as well when I interviewed him, just that it's almost like a diver being able to go to the but not even a diver, somebody without masks, snorkels, regulators, going down 90 feet, being able to draw fish or whatever, as opposed to people standing on the surface and looking in the water from the outside. So he was able to go in and tell within five minutes if there was paranormal activity in a location, not six days or five days in a location, monitoring, and then um, finding out later in post if anything was captured and what it was and trying to come up with a ter- determination he, he was simply able to just explain it to you. So that's that's a little different, like you, Maureen, or, it, you know, anybody that is able to have that ability and express that. It takes, you know, the layperson like myself just to experience something. And uh, that's what it takes as well. And uh, also, too, um, if those that might just be looking around on the Internet, go to parainvestigations.com and Bob Davis, the CEO of planetparanormal.com, under, under the evidence tag has posted what he captured in 2008 in December with a teammate, and that's Jackie, the talking ghost child, communicating for like 17 minutes with him, and uh, they have quite a bit of an exchange. But you can tell it's the same voice that Peter 
captured from sightings in 1991. So when you compare the two and you listen to them, um, you can definitely feel that's the same child's voice. You can almost pick it out in a crowd, the way it sounds. He's having analysts actually go over the audio. He's had two preliminary government um, audio analysts actually come up with numbers that one said it was a 7.8 match out of 10, a possible 10, and another one an 8.2 match out of 10. And as they explained to him, 6% is all that is needed for a conviction in court. So this is the actual, like from what I can tell and what's being explained, and until he can get somebody to really document what they're saying uh, uh, through these channels and, and uh, um, through these government audio analysts, that he gets something in writing is what he's looking for. That uh, basically it's, it's an audio capture of evidence of a ghost uh, communication. Wow, that's pretty good. But you know what? I just thought of this. We've been like uh, almost three quarters way through the show, and we really haven't talked uh, about the title of the book and where people can get the book. So uh, oh, right, why don't right. you give us the information? I know we have it listed as the book of the month on our site, the Any Ghost Projects uh, site, uh, but why don't you tell them the name of the book and where they can get it and so forth. Right. No, and thanks for doing that. I did see that on there. Uh, yeah, the title of the book is Heaven, Can You Hear Me by Peter James. And it's, yeah, the life and career of Peter James and uh, everything that he notated over the years and had really tried to get out there. And he had other people drop the ball on the project before, but I just assured him I was going to get it out there to the fans, find a publishing house that would not alter his wording. And, and when I contractually got that from World Audience Publishing, um, you know, I was just elated that I was able to do that because I, I didn't know how much pull I have in the publishing field when going about that approach, or if I could even sway that at all. So I was, I was glad and relieved that that was a possibility. But to do that means you have to kind of market yourself and, and do everything and do as many programs and shows of this type that I can possibly do for Peter. And so, um, yeah, World Audience Incorporated is the publishing house. They have on, they put some links to the book sale uh, that you can uh, see all the paranormal expert and talent book reviews along the way. Uh, dis discussing, describing the book uh, from people that I first reached out to to review the book. And so, Heaven Can You Hear Me is the title. MySpace.com forward slash Peter James Lives is the dedicated MySpace that I set up for everyone to get together as a forum. And in the blogs, uh, what you'll see is real-time postings of uh, book discounts, um, uh, other aspects of, uh, you know, if you, if you missed the title too for Bob Davis's evidence and you want to explore that and, and compare it with, uh, the sightings of, uh, Jackie communicating with Peter versus what, uh, Bob caught in, uh, December of 2008, you can hear those, um, just through the blogs. So in the blog section, there's a lot of things to explore as well as, uh, real time book discounts as, uh, for heaven can you hear me. Um, and, you know, I think that's fantastic. You know, my only regret is I would love to read the book, and I really wish, and I'm not even plugged in, <laughs> my phone's off. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's sitting there yakking, and uh, her headset came out, so what can I tell you? <laughs> so sorry. Anyway. Um, she's not blonde, is she? Stop it. Hey. <laughs> but, no, the whole point, I was saying that um, my only regret is I really wish I had, had met him. Um, you know, he sounds like a, a great guy, and, a great psychic, and I just really wish I had the opportunity to have met him in person. 
Well, likewise, I really wish I'd known him longer. When, when you talk to his best friend, and, and there's some great stories, if, if you ever want, like, his former personal assistant on. He's got great stories about Peter. And uh, he's just now let me know that he's he's ready to do interviews. And it's it's been hard, you know, for everybody that knew him. It's He was a remarkable person and a great loss to, to many and so um, it's it's great to get his words out there and, and reflections of people that knew him and some of these just colorful, refreshing stories about him and on his investigations and his and he is a person. And that's why it's great that everything's contained within the book and that uh, this is all things that can, people can realize about Peter because, yeah, I really wish I knew him longer. I just only knew him for like two months. And then sure enough, he, he had met with me once about just the importance of this book being his legacy is what he ex- uh, just expressed throughout the meeting. And then he went into the hospital a week later, um, you know, at, at that meeting, he uh, let me know all about uh, how he wanted the table of contents, how he wanted the cover to look, just everything throughout. And um, the last of the files he gave me and then went into the hospital a week later and never came out. So it was, wow. for me, a huge responsibility, too. Now, I mean, I don't want to be too personal, but did, do you think that maybe he knew that he was passing, or was it something? I get that question a lot, and it's it. I I put it back a different way. When you look at the the timeliness of um, just you, he had something that other people had dropped the ball on. I assured him I was going to get it out there, get it to his fans, and then the book. I found a publisher that would not alter anything. Um, had the book out just before Halloween, the MySpace set up, everybody showed up that's a fan that you could possibly find as a fan or been looking for Peter for all these years. There they are. The last line of his book is he's looking for evidence so profound that the world at large would realize the existence of ghosts who were ultimately his friends. And then Bob Davis captures that evidence that you can see on parainvestigations.com and compare like you know, he's had the audio analyzation that, you know, that's 8.2% match and a 7.8% match out of 10. And uh, you, you can almost just feel like his legacy is being carried about, that the last line of his book is getting carried out, that everything's kind of falling into play. And a lot of people look at it that way, that this this is a little bit more than coincidence that his legacy is uh, out there. Um, the book's also available in Amazon UK, Amazon France, Amazon Germany, Amazon Australia. So it's really getting, you know, a global recognition in book sales as well. So it's it's doing everything that I, I feel that Peter wanted for it and may even have control over how this is kind of going that it's getting out there. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I know Maureen and I have a book coming out in September and I was thinking about that the other day, you know, if anything ever happened, right. I had uh, yeah. a, a legacy, you know, something to leave behind. So it, it made me uh, feel actually pretty good. So I'm sure that, that uh, Peter was side feeling, well, you know, good as well. Well, right. I, I've been fortunate enough as well uh, to other paranormal investigative groups, 3AM Paranormal, uh, Harbor City Paranormal, Bob's team as well with Planet Paranormal, that I, I'm realizing how dedicated everyone is because, yeah, again, I, I just co-authored something with Peter, and I've, I've just been a fan of the paranormal and paranormal programming for years, my wife and I, and then to watch them actually work and to see the dedication of the hours put in, you really do have a legacy in, in the industry. And I know you, Ron, as well, that uh, 
um, with a book that you're putting out, I, I know that it's really kind of your baby that you're putting out there for everyone to see your hard work and effort and the realization that you, you know, that there's something that's beyond a belief. You have evidence, you have proof, and, and there's something more that you want to sort of show everyone and, and get out there. And that's, I feel that's important. And you have a publication coming. That's, that's great. That's terrific. Yeah. The, the thing that we wanted to do is uh, it kind of like uh, with you, we, we wanted to know what our thoughts were. You know, in other words, we just didn't want to talk about a haunted location so, I mean, this is more like a, a novel where, or even also not an autobiography. I mean, where Maureen tells you what she's feeling and, and I go along what I'm feeling. So it, it's, it takes you into our investigations so you actually can understand what we go through. I mean, that's basically what we're trying to do with it. And uh, I think we've attained it. Don't you think so, Maureen? I right. think no. so. Right. Yeah, there's a well-roundedness with that. And it, actually, what Peter explores throughout the book as well is that that was an importance for him, is that people understand the progression and what, what's involved with, the, uh, you know, haunted activity, and ultimately so that people are able to deal with it in a different way, not in an aggressive, defensive way, but communication being the first step, doing your homework, finding out who uh, uh, is the person that's causing the paranormal activity, can you coexist with them? What if you aren't able to? How do you go about dealing with things at that point? And and ultimately having um, not just a knowledge of the of the paranormal, but how to coexist or um, appreciate what's actually there that that you experience probably on a daily basis. You know, it was something really interesting, and I wanted to touch on about it earlier, but I, I want to get it before we we leave. Is very, in the very beginning of the show you mentioned about uh, Peter growing up as a psychic and how his mother uh, treated him, which was, you know, kind of to chastise him, correct? Right. Yeah, and I, I thought that was, that must have been extremely difficult, because I know Maureen grew up in a psychic family, and, uh, you know, to them it was just normal. Uh, so for Peter to, you know, be in, uh, you know, be in chastised, it must have been more difficult for him. Yeah, now there's outlets, like like you're saying, like children of the paranormal, or you may have a family that's sort of kind of new age and things in a certain generation. Peter didn't have that, you know. It's, I, I'm, nobody really I, knows his age. I know I know his brother knows, but and has his, you know, driver's license and different things. But, the, you know, it was just something that Peter didn't want people to know, so I know his brother isn't really broadcasting that. It's just some, something that he realizes was something refreshing and kept sacred for Peter, but... I know that the era that he came from, that was not some, you know, that was the era that would, they would probably, the doctors would just pump drugs on you or whatever to, you know, for hyperactivity or experimental things, uh, could be the fifties or, um, you know, that's not something that's easy for a parent to take. I'm sure at that time, that's a hard worker. Uh, his mom was a single mom raising him. And, uh, actually the title of the book came from that, that episode of, uh, him living with his mother he had these children that would visit in this, this uh, um, they were impoverished at the time at upstate New York, and they lived in an apartment adjoined with a factory warehouse, and he would have these children come through that would kind of smell of smoke and, and would play with him, and one of the children would be in the attic area broadcasting to his mom that he could never see or find and would say, Heaven, can you hear me? And that's where the title of the book comes from. Oh, and wow, so, that's cool. Yeah, so when, when he... 
went away with his grandparents one week, and I'm, I'm kind of going through all the, the little aspects of the chapter, but uh, when he did, um, his his mother heard this one piano playing in a in a room area that was just left there that was, you know, had been through a fire and things, and she was, like, probably abusive towards him in the middle of the night because his piano had played, and she thought it was him. So he went through all this, uh, you know, all these different episodes with his mom in the middle of the night, and he developed a stuttering problem that he goes over as well in the chapter and that uh, he couldn't really express himself, explain himself, and so it was one of those type of relationships until she realized, hey, he was gone and the piano still playing. Uh, later on, uh, he started working in the factory that was adjoined, and he found a newspaper that was in the back part of a warehouse about a fire that happened in that um, and where they were staying in the apartment, and it named all the children that he was telling his mom he'd been playing with all the time, or she got him calling out to, you know, or talking to the kids, and those were the same names. And so suddenly it, it built a very close relationship, but unfortunately it was later on in his not way later in his life, but in his 20s where he'd gone through this his whole childhood. But it, it, it definitely did, and as he explains, built a closeness with his mom and uh, family and that he, he was not making all that up and uh, was able to ultimately prove it to her. Right. I mean, you know, the thing is, like, I do say on, on my end, it is difficult growing up and, and having these abilities because at first, you know, you look around and you think it's normal when you're very young until you start realizing that not everybody is experiencing the same thing to the same extreme. Right. You know, it's not that other people don't have abilities. It's just to that level, to what everybody's picking up on. And, you know, at first my mother had for her, had her experiences in the past where it's her grandmother and it was so forth in the generations. So, you know, to her it was like, yeah, okay, you know, it's, it's normal, don't worry, you know, here's some holy water or do something. My father, on the other hand, thought I was a little crazy. So, you know, we did have to go through that. You know, there was a time period when I was having all the headaches and things were happening and it was crazy in the house. And, you know, they did go with the the route of taking me to a doctor, getting me drugged to see if that was going to help, if there's a problem that they could fix. And and it's like, you know, that doesn't fix it. Um, But what was, you know, for my, my situation, it was kind of funny because the night it was only her and I in the house and the house was haunted and here I am, they give me the drugs and I'm out cold and she had gone to take a shower, and, you know, we had a door that would always open in the kitchen, and so she took a butter knife and shoved it between the door jam and against the door to keep it from opening. And it was kind of comical because the next day she wouldn't talk to me for, like, you know, well, actually for the next day and a half. And um, I asked her what the problem was, and she said, well, you know, you had to get up and you must have put two knives in the door. Um, oh. And I'm like, no, I didn't do anything. And so that's when she kind of, you know, it's not that she didn't realize, but she realized it was more than just me hearing things or seeing things, that it was actually things that were manifesting around us and moving. And so, you know, she, she kind of decided, well, maybe it was time to rethink things with my, you know, my father and talk it out and forget the medicines because it wasn't working. Wow. See, Maureen, that's where, like, I just see, like, someone like you could appreciate certain parallels that are contained within certain chapters where Peter explores that, and other people have already corresponded with me that they found it refreshing that, wow, he went through that too, and and so the certain parallels I see as part of his legacy within, and wow, I, I couldn't even imagine that with an upbringing and, and uh, having that ability. I know that my daughter just, you know, has this fascination with ghost hunting now and wanting to do everything and, and check out dark places, of you know, like the yeah. Queen Mary. And it, I, I never would have done that at that age, but at the same time, she goes to a Catholic school, and you can't really talk about this with her, you know, she can't really talk about it with her friends about, yeah. you know, 
oh, my dad wrote this book about this and that. It's like, no, no, don't don't take it to school. <laughs> you know, kind of <laughs> well, see, he's proud of it, though. Wait, 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 wait. He's proud of it. And, and exactly. she can't really, proud yeah, I know, write. that's the thing. And can't, it's, it's that, it's almost like, you know, if you had a certain genre of music, like, you know, acid rock or metal or something, you can't really go around and talk about it yeah. in certain groups. It's that thing you have in your back pocket, I think, keeps people in tune to it. It's it's not this out there mainstream thing. It's I think that's what perpetuates the paranormal industry is that certain people believe it, they understand it, they're able to carry it around with them and, and keep a part of that and understand that the people that are actually going through these things that other people will never understand, it's something that it's it's almost you keep to yourself, but you have this other community that's real right. resourceful and refreshing to have with you. Well, you know, and it's difficult. It is kind of difficult sometimes to find that line, you know, that you can cross or not cross and, and who can yeah. you talk to and who can you not talk to. And, um, you know, I mean, you talk about it's kind of comical. Your daughter's going to a Catholic school and you're afraid for her to bring this book in, you know. Hey, um, no, I already had a witch hunt email from one of the parents. So no way, you, really? You know, yeah, oh, yeah. Are you serious? I believe that. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, scary, well, but... Wait, wait a minute, John. I am I am a hundred uh, percent Catholic, uh, and I have no problem with hunting ghosts. But you have an open mind. Some people don't. Right. No, it wasn't about hunting ghosts. It was more of a you know like kind of a winch hunt kind of you know uh, thing about like I understand you have this book out and it's not anything to be brought up around the school. And it was, oh my god! It was an email from one of the parents, and it was all that kind of thing. But it, I didn't bring it up. But another parent was like, oh, you know, you know, one of the parents wrote this book about you know. The Queen Mary psychic, you know, that's it's oh. only four miles from where we are is the Queen Mary, and it, it's and it's another one that's a cool parent just bringing something up, and then I get the email from this other one that just like freaked out. <laughs> it was like, you know, uh, you, that's their loss. You uh, but my, child, my, my my wife, you know, she's a she's a pit bull about those things, so she addressed that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Good, bravo. But yeah. So we're, we're the people that burn when we come around the school and all that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You think I think years. You know, I'm thinking back in the the times with the film, like the witch trials and stuff. I'm like, dear God, thank God I wasn't burnt then. Yeah, well, I'd be toast. I hate to say this, <laughs> oh. but we are out of time, John. All right, Ron. Hey, thanks. Thank you. So, thanks on behalf so of Peter's, what's on again, behalf go, of Peter's go, family and oh, go, go to ahead. your website. Right, put that website out again. Yeah, myspace.com forward slash Peter James Lives. Enjoy the videos, his early photos throughout his life. And, yeah, on behalf of his family, friends, thanks, Ron, for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. All right. All right, bye. Bye Bye-bye, John. Well, he was pretty cool, huh? Oh, he was very cool. We'll have to have him on again. Yeah, we we have to do some more. Um, Actually, if you can't get a hold of the book, you can actually buy it from my website on the uh, – it's the book in a month. Uh, it's it's cool, uh, what I've read of it. I wish I could have, like I said, read more before the show, but unfortunately I got it late. Well, so you can read it again. So, anyways, on uh, Ghost Chronicles International this week, we have Karen O'Keefe. You know who Karen O'Keefe is? No, because you don't watch any TV shows, do you? No, no. I don't time. Any of that ghost stuff. <laughs> but anyway, Karen O'Keefe <laughs> is, is the parapsychologist from Most Haunted – He's been on uh, since the very beginning. The guy's awesome. Uh, I had him on before, and he's a he's a great interview, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and of course Richard Felix, who is from Most Haunted, is my co-host, so it's kind of neat. Anyways, so we want to thank everybody for listening. We especially want to thank the people in the uh, in the chat, chat room, room uh, Blondie and uh, Amanda and Lorraine and Bob and uh, Tony was in there before, and uh, oh, of course Leslie, my baby. Did I say that? 
Yeah, on air to boot. Oops. Jan, hope you're not listening. <laughs> Good night. Otherwise, it's going to be a long night on the couch again. <laughs> From ghoulies to Good night and God bless. God bless. The things that go bump in the night deliver us. Good Lord. <laughs>